Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Jamie Beck. He's the president and CEO of Philo Mining. There's his XP listed gold, copper, silver explorer with assets in Argentina, South America. Um, we ask him what his plans are for the company. The PFS numbers were huge, but the big so what is what do they do next? Do they bring a strategic partner in? Do they go it alone? Do they sell it? Jamie talks us through their thoughts on that topic. And if you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation and the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There are summaries from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including gold, copper, and silver. We've got training courses on there to help you with your indulgence uh, process. We've got summaries of all the interviews that we've done just to save you some time uh, because we know you're busy. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors, sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe and friendly environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse. You can join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Jamie, how are you, sir? I'm well, Matt. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Surviving. Surviving. What about you? Where in the world are you? Well, I, uh, I'm a delinquent father. As my kids are on spring break, I'm working away. Good so they're out on the ski hill today. Oh, beautiful. There's still snow yeah. this time of year. Yeah, yeah, no, the the hills that were in Whistler uh, and the hills stay open through uh, through May. Oh, you got a bit of altitude there, haven't you? Helps. Yeah, a little, little. Yeah. You, so uh, straight after this, you're getting your skis on, dashing out. No, I'm right into board meetings after this, so uh, you're warming me up. Oh, you're the worst father. We've got our quarterlies coming out uh, on on uh, today, actually. So. Really, right? In which case, we better get on with it. So, like, we've uh, we've not met before, spoken, and new story to us. So. Excited for that, but why don't you kick us off with a one minute overview and I'll pick up with some questions after that. Sure, so uh, Filo Mining, we're advancing the 100% owned Filo Del Sol project. This is a uh, growing to be a, a very large scale copper, gold, silver asset. Uh, it's in Argentina, touching the border with Chile. Uh, we put out a, a very robust study on the uppermost oxide portion of the deposit, but the past couple of years have been super exciting as we've explored for the sulfides at depth and uh, have some drill results coming up over the next few months. So it should be a, an exciting story to get involved with. Fantastic. And uh, three not too shabby commodities have been involved with at the moment. Obviously, uh, copper price is going on a bit of a rip and so is gold and silver until recently. So uh, that, I guess that all helps. Um, can I just sort of bring you back to the start that you've been working with the Lundin family for quite a f few years now, but you've been involved with this story since it's in well inception can yeah. you kind of it kind of spun, spun, spun out of ngs well, it's a, so give us that whole background let's not try to understand yeah it's this. a great history uh matt you know these these projects were grassroots uh discoveries and when i say these projects uh los alados jose maria and filo del sol uh at the time tanky mining was advancing the tanky fungarume deposit in the drc and the drc was in civil war so uh, they needed a bit of news flow and they vended these projects into that company. And through a bunch of sort of amalgamations, Tanky got going again. They ended up in a, in a company called NGX Resources, who ultimately made the discoveries on all three projects. Uh, and when NGX would raise money, they'd go out and, and drill off Jose Maria and Los Salados. They'd had two great discovery holes there and Fila would get a couple of drill meters at the end of the season. So in 2016, we made the decision to spin these out, uh, spin Philo out into its own company. 
which was uh, a great move. It was NGX probably had a $200 million market cap. Philo was getting no value. We spun it out. Philo quickly ran up to about 200 million itself and NGX didn't change. So effectively a, a $200 million dividend to shareholders at the time. And, and since that time, we've been advancing at, at Philo. Right, the kind of ugly sister uh, syndrome, it seems. So you, you were, uh, you were, you had your moment in the sun, and that's kind of allowed people to sort of take notes. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It does happen quite a lot. Um, but let's talk about what you set out to do with that, though, because okay, you, you you spun it out, and that's just sometimes can be just a financial play, a financial game. But you, how serious are you guys about actually creating a mine here? Pretty serious. Yeah, the you know the spin out. And one of the reasons it was the poor sister was because it was just so big, so vast and multiple different areas of mineralization that we were targeting. It was hard to come up with a effective exploration strategy without a significant budget. So, you know, since 2016 now, we've probably been raising 20 to $40 million Canadian a year. Uh, putting that into the ground, we pieced together an initial resource on the oxides which made its way into a pre-feasibility study in January 2019. And we're, you know, I think what sets Philo apart a little bit is it's got all of this exploration upside underneath with the potential to move forward on a slightly smaller project. So when you think big copper, gold, silver, andy, and porphyries, they often come with the three billion, four billion, you know, even five billion dollar price tag up front to get up and going. And, and while, uh, you know, Philo's initial capital of, of 1.3 billion uh, is not small, uh, it certainly comes in a little more moderate than, than some of the others. So the opportunity here is to use the cash flows, call it for the first 10 to 12 years of mining the oxides and ultimately move towards development of the of the sulfide project and that sort of 1.3 billion range as well within the i guess the wheelhouse of the broader lundine group of companies and uh, something that we think that uh, you know we could comfortably raise and, and start moving this project forward to construction well tell me about that because obviously lundine name has been long associated with you know success and in, in mining but there's a lot of projects on the go right now is this this kind of project that with those that sort of capital, I appreciate the kind of slow start with a small start, cash flowing, and then allow you to kind of grow in a more cautious way. Is that sustainable for the group? How does it operate? Is this completely separate? And it's part of the group, but does it operate financially separately from the group, or is the pressure all back at HQ? No, well, every single company runs independent. You know, what ties us together is, is the family ownership. And, uh, you know, Lucas and the family hold about 36% of Philo. So we have great support from, from the Lundin family, obviously, but the, the management teams are all independent. The board functions independently. We're on the lookout for, you know, Philo shareholders. Um, obviously, there's, you know, there's probably a, a bit of a, a master plan. Uh, within the family and how they want to sequence some of these companies moving forward. But, um, you know, Philo is a Philo is a prime example of one that would do well with uh, with a, a deep pocketed partner. Uh, and if that's something that makes sense uh, in the next, you know, couple couple of years, then no problem. Well, that's what I'm getting at, because if I look at the structure of the group and sorry to bang on about the group here, but I think it's important in the context of what you're trying to do. It, you've got companies at different stages and therefore different financial needs. And I'm just wondering how much of these, each of these stories was underwritten 
by the Lundin family, or do they genuinely stack up, or does the Lundin family open doors to you know being able to raise money easily? You raised a lot of money last year. You've raised a lot of money before. I, that. I mean, it's. It's a huge mix, right? You look right at the top and you've got lending energy or lending mining. I mean, lending energy is paying out massive dividends on, on some of these oil fields in, in Norway. Um, lending mining, obviously self-sufficient, generating huge cash flow and a super clean balance sheet. So it's really, I guess, then when you look down, down markets, uh, lending gold was, uh, you know, one to go a couple of years ago and did a great job getting Fruta del Norte off the ground in Ecuador. Um, and now you've sort of got, uh, at least in the mining space on, on the copper side, you've got Jose Maria, which is a few more years advanced than us, 12 kilometers up the road. So that'll be a, a focus towards moving to construction probably first. Uh, you know, and then Fila will slot in behind that naturally, uh, just as a result of where we are in terms of the uh, engineering development, uh, as well as uh, making sure we're, we've got all our environmental baseline work gathered. So there, there's sort of a, a natural staggering that occurs, um, and uh, the, the family is going to be there to to support, no doubt. Right, and so let's let's put the other side of that that conversation, which is there's a lot of kind of stranded uh, companies. Copper is obviously a thematic which you guys are very very much pushing forward and. As we've seen what's happening with the copper price and the whole EV thematic and so forth. There's a lot of sort of smaller yeah. stranded assets there. Does that financial acumen, financial access allow you to perhaps go and build this thing up by making some more acquisitions? Or are you very much focused on what you've got? We're pretty focused on what we have. You know, I think that support really comes into play uh, in the years previously, you know, in in the past five years, let's say, when we've been able to raise money and advance these projects uh, in a in a $2 copper price environment. So that uh, as we start looking towards where things are moving today and moving up upwards of $4, these projects are, are primed and ready to go. And I, I think that's probably one of the big misconceptions in this industry is just the the timeline that it takes to production here. It can be decades. You can have the greatest new drill hole, you know, thousand meters of great copper equivalent. But uh, you've got to drill these things off and then you've got to do the metallurgical test work and then you've got to do your environmental permitting and baseline all along, making sure you've got uh, good community relations and social license to get something up and going. So to have a project, I think, you know, queued up uh, and, and there's a few of them, um, you know, within our group and, and a few uh, externally as well. And I think to meet that sort of coming supply gap that we're all visioning in copper, uh, they're all going to be needed. They are. Do you see yourself staying um, independent of other companies within the group, or is there because you've got other copper projects nearby? Yeah. What's the best way to play it? Well, there's some good synergies potentially between the long-term development at Jose Maria. Uh, you know, I mentioned they're a little further ahead, so they've just submitted their ESIA application to the Argentine authorities. They're now in the permitting pipeline. Next steps for them uh, are going to be. Uh, nailing down some fiscal stability terms with the Argentine government and, and first and foremost, making sure they can get US dollars out of the country. Um, but, you know, I think all of that will be positive momentum for Philo uh, as they move towards construction, roads, power, water, other infrastructure is going to be brought to the district on, on their dollar, uh, all benefiting the long-term development to, you know, of Philo. So the oxides at Philo, sort of stand on their own. It's the pre-strip to whatever we get into. It's going to be a slightly different processing route, 
whether or not there's some longer term synergies with, uh, you know, let's say a combined sulfide processing facility or, or whatnot uh, yet to be seen. And, uh, you know, I think if you were a major mining company looking for the next uh, copper growth district with uh, uh, projects that are ready to go, uh, you know, coming in and taking a look at this as a district area play would be something pretty smart to do. Right. And so how do you time the rollout of what you've got to do next? You've got some money left over from last year. Obviously, the PFS numbers look attractive, certainly in terms of the, the volume of it. You're going to need more certainty around the economics for the market. So what's happening this year? Drilling. So, you know, the past couple of years, we started exploring at depth. And uh, last year in particular, we put out a, a whole 32, which was 1,009 meters of, of 0.95% copper equivalent. Uh, so pretty exciting uh, intercept, you know, globally as significant. One of the key things we need to do before we start advancing the engineering further is understanding the, the size and shape of the geometry of the underlying sulfide deposit, at, at least as much as we can, so that when we place surface infrastructure like leach pads and crushing facilities, that we get them in the right spot and we don't do something silly that sterilizes, let's call the, the longer term development here. So there's some, you know, I, I think real value, not only uh, in, in potentially proving up the tonnage and, and adding some, um, some upside through the drill bit here, but also a better understanding of the geology. So we're drilling now, we've got uh, some big step out holes to the north, and uh, we're also gonna tighten up some of the drill spacing around that good result from last year with uh, a view towards potentially being able to establish an initial inferred resource on some of the, the deeper stuff. And uh, then we'll be at a decision point probably this summer. Do we, have we done enough with the drilling? Do we see more valuable drill targets that we want to keep at that process? Uh, or again, the, the optionality at Philo, uh, you know, we can retrench and with, uh, with better understanding now focus on advancing that oxide project, moving towards feasibility study. And uh, this is something that could be up and in construction within four and a half or five years. But, but what, what are you juggling with there? Because why not get, skip to that point now? It's big. It's already big. You want to make it even bigger and then make a decision about, you know, how you, you know, move forward with the oxide portion of it. So what, what, yeah. what, are, the, what are the variables here? Why, why, well, why spend the money? You know, M&A is never a strategy. You know, you, you have, if, if something pulls together and, and one of the big players is, is keen on this company, then that would be, you know, that would be a, a great outcome if it, if it drove value for our shareholders. But uh, we want to make sure that if something like that happens, that um, they're, they're paying up for what we think we know we have in the ground. And at this point in time, uh, the board and, and management was on board with trying to understand the size of what we're, what we're sitting on here so that if someone came knocking on the door, we didn't give up too much. And that's something that we've been able to do effectively through, uh, through equity over the past couple of years. So how much more money are you going to spend to be able to allow you to have a, the conversation the way that you want? Well, our, our hope is that by the end of this year's drill season, we will have uh, we will have learned enough. Uh, you know, we can't keep on diluting shareholders by by you know putting forty million dollars into the ground every single year. So, you know, at some point in time, we need to uh, transition and shift, and and hopefully that that time is is coming up. But uh, who knows? Philo is a remarkable system. Every time we put a hole in the ground, whether it's two kilometers to the north. Uh, 
we're intersecting something and uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a good problem to have, but uh, there's, there's no indications that we've sort of managed to drill out of the system yet. It lends me to believe that you are more focused on preparing this for sale because otherwise that becomes a very expensive phone call. You're spending a lot of money to have yeah. that phone call, which seems to be what you want to do. What, I mean, given the nature and the makeup of the rest of the group, aren't you going to be copper produced? I mean, let's not forget there's a, a lot of gold and silver in there too, based on the PFS. But don't you want to be big, meaningful global copper producers? Yeah, well, I think everybody does. That would be the that would be the goal. Uh, but you know, the the exploration that we're onto right now is is pretty exciting. So, I guess in terms of timelines focus on getting this season past us. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the board and the decision was then made towards refocusing on that oxide project, sequencing in behind the milestones that are happening at Jose Maria to the north of us, and uh, and then you know potentially transitioning a, a build team off of that project to then work on, on Philo as, as the next one. Because it's just one of the most asked questions when we get the questions sent in to us was, are they yeah. serious about being miners or is this just a structured finance play? Your share price has gone up, but I think there's a lot to do with what's happening with the copper price copper. recently, yeah. right? Um, so which then also suggests to me that there's some, some uncertainty as to what it is that you're really focused on and what's important to you and therefore what investors should be buying into. So. Yeah, I, I, our focus is on creating shareholder value. And, and for the moment, we think that that can be done through the drill bit, at least this season, as you know, as we transition, for sure, we'll be moving towards uh, looking to put this into production. And I think one of the huge differentiators for a, a group like the Lundins and a backing like the Lundins is that you, you know, you take a look at a big project like this sitting in a junior company and lots of people would say, well, Okay, great plan, but are you know how are you really going to be able to finance a, a 1.3 billion dollar build? Uh, and uh, you know, I I encourage people to look at the at the the lending gold scenario in Ecuador. I mean, that's roughly call it a billion dollar raise. They got Newcrest in as a strategic partner. They uh, managed to piece together a, a bit of a, a stream, selling some of the silver and the gold forward. An international debt package raised a bit of equity, and here they are bought that asset for $240 million and that's uh, well over a billion dollar company today. So certainly executable within the, within the broader group. And that's a, something that we could look to, uh, to copy. Yeah. But the London name buys you some, some credit, right? Cause the history and the track record and so forth, but the basic rules are still the same. You've got to communicate more clearly to the market. And I think that's what they're asking for in terms of they know you've got something good. What are you going to yeah. do with it? When are they going to benefit? What's the upside? Or are they coming along for the the long long term ride? That I think that's well, I what think I'd love some kind of clarity on it. Like you said at the start, we probably would like a deep pocketed partner. Okay, that's nice. Have you had yeah. those conversations? Well, we're always in corporate development style conversations, and uh, you know, the past couple of years, or this past year in particular, has been a little challenging for groups to get up and do things like site visits and whatnot. So. You know, we've got our core storage facility in northern Chile and, and uh, we've had a couple of groups through there. But for sure, as as you start seeing uh, sustained copper prices above above 350 into four dollars, as you start taking a look down the majors and their development pipeline, I uh, anticipate that we'll start getting a little more knocks on, on the door at Philo. 
Now, whether or not that makes sense or whether or not it, it uh, you know, it remains something that we think we can get more value for shareholders by pushing this forward ourselves. Um, you know, those are decisions that uh, are in front of us. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate, I think, to have a, a group and a backing behind the company at the board level and, um, and, and people who have done this successfully have navigated this um, type of thing successfully. Do we build it? Do we sell it? Do we partner? What makes the most sense here? And is there a timing component to this? Obviously, the prices, you know, long time uh, highs here. Um, do you expect it to go further? What are you seeing long term? The copper price? Yeah, because that's going to inform yeah. your decision making, right? Do you sit around, we sit around and wait, we'll do some drilling for a year because we expect it to go higher. That'll be a much more interesting conversation because we've got more of it in the ground, we think, and higher prices. What are the variables that you are toying with? Yeah, you know, I, we're generally pretty bullish within the group on where copper is going. I think, you know, some pretty impressive themes with respect to decarbonization, uh, electric vehicles pushing forward. Uh, it's it's definitely sort of plays into that green metal, uh, you know, narrative. And I think in any world that you look at moving forward, copper is going to be, uh, you know, a huge part of that. So, you know, I think for sure we're 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 keen on on copper staying above. 350, you know, for the for the near term, and uh, maybe a, a little bit longer than that. So I think at those prices, uh, you know, these projects are Filo del Sol, Jose Maria, start to look pretty, pretty attractive. Okay, you, you have the usual conversations with people sort of seeing where you are with projects. But do you think money gets cheaper with this green thematic? Because a lot of the funds are now not investing in specific areas, and they've got to deploy capital somehow. And again, we spoke to a few fund managers you know, this week and last, and they're yeah. trying to find not only good projects, which make the fundamentals of good mining projects, but hit the green uh, thematic, the green investment thematic too. Well, I, you know, I think we're seeing a huge increase in uh, investors' emphasis on uh, ESG performance, uh, even I guess a few years ago, obviously, it would have applied to the senior senior producers, anybody who was making you know significant amounts of, of product. Um, but we're seeing that trickle down market, and even at even at our stage, so you know people want to take a look at a story and see that you've started off on the right foot with respect to community engagement, with respect to your environmental baseline, the, thinking a little bit about how you're you're sourcing your supply chain and uh, making sure that you're. Um, setting the company up for success in the in the sort of ESG world, and uh, again, that's I think a great differentiator for the lending group companies. We have the the reliance of the lending foundation. This is a group of people that uh, have helped guide training programs, have helped guide uh, you know education programs, the implementing IFC performance standards in alignment with those. Um, so a, a wealth of knowledge and experience to rely on on that side to help make sure that these companies are, are set up properly. Right. And what's happening in Argentina? I mean, at the moment, there's a lot of noise going around about doing business in Mexico. You know, the president there has been um, innovative for the way that uh, he's, he's yeah. uh, approaching things. Um, Argentina has had the history of being a difficult place to work. How's it with you guys? We've been, uh, I mean, we love working in Argentina. The, the family's been there for 30 plus years. 
you know, uh, Adolf Lundin ultimately was involved in the uh, in the Bajara Alambrera uh, copper project, which is one of the last big copper projects developed in Argentina. The the team there then moved on and ultimately found Veladero. That uh, was Argentina Gold, uh, again subject to a big uh, hostile takeover uh, homestake, ultimately Barrick. Veladero is now operating, you know, 500,000 ounces a year of gold. So a, a big economic contributor to San Juan province. Our team, many of the sort of senior country managers from our group were junior geologists on that Veladero discovery. Uh, so we're comfortable in Argentina. We've been there a long time. Obviously, lots of noise uh, federally, ups and downs and uh, debt defaults and that kind of thing. But I think they're on the right track. I think they're making some of the, some of the the right decisions with respect to encouraging foreign direct investment to come into the country. Uh, Jose Maria, in particular, would be a, a huge boon for the mining industry in Argentina as that project rolls forward. You know, it's four thousand some odd jobs coming in, a three billion dollar capital investment, and uh, the Argentine authorities have been have been really keen on mining and uh, I'm taking a look at mining as a potential contributor to help uh, improve their their economic situation. So yeah, it's it's a positive place to work and uh, we're thrilled to be there. Okay. And just finally, just to remind me, resource update when? Probably by the end of the North American summer. Yeah. So we'll finish off our drilling. We've got rigs on site now. Uh, usually our drill program wraps up in March. We've made a decision to extend through April and uh, should have deep results coming out over the next, call it three or four months uh, into the summer and then uh, piece together, uh, hopefully, a, a, an initial inferred resource on the deep sulfides. And then we'll see where we go from there. A plan. You need yeah. a plan will will materialize. Fantastic. Um, okay. Well, Jamie, appreciate that. So I didn't want to spend too much time on the PFS. I think you've talked about it at, ad nauseum in the, in the marketplace. It's fantastic numbers in there. Um, you know, Drilling seems to be the focus, and you know, I think what the market was wanting from you after that point is some clarity as to how this business moves forward in whatever shape or form that is. So, appreciate your time today. All right, thanks, Matt. And uh, you know, I guess just some takeaways for for your listeners. Filo del Sol, we've got some drill results coming up. This is shaping up to be probably one of the largest undeveloped copper, gold, silver projects in the Andes. Uh, we have a strike of about five kilometers, kilometer deep holes. We will have learned a lot more about the deposit this season with a goal towards then um, ultimate decisions on, on how we take it forward and move the oxide project towards feasibility study. So a bunch of near-term catalysts and uh, I think a dearth of good quality copper investments. So I uh, hope your listeners pay attention. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.